service. Good morning, New City Church. How are we doing today? Wow, gosh. Man, give the worship band. That was something special this morning, man. I'm telling you, wow, dude. Dude, I, you know, I've said this before, but I'll say it again as many times as I got to. It's great, beautiful honor and privilege to be uh, be led in worship by people that are worshiping, and they're really good at, at music too, man. And I just love that song, um, you know, Reckless Love. I know it's, um, some people are like, we've had some people go, man, what does that all mean? And that kind of thing, man. Read the scriptures, look at how Jesus truly did pursue us, pursue us with a, a reckless abandon, and, and also with the, and it's just foolishness to people that don't understand that, right? Like, how could somebody love somebody else so much that he would give everything he, he gave just for me, right? And that doesn't make any sense to the rest of the world because we are kind of a, a, a society and a worldliness, if you're in that, that looks out for number one. I think about self first rather than thinking about other people. And that's just not who God is, right? I mean, it's just wonderful. So my name is Casey. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, we've got some new faces in. And some folks I haven't seen in a little bit, that's awesome to see you guys. And uh, welcome. If you, uh, like Ed said, if you have, um, if you want to put out a, if you're interested in going to that auto show, uh, fill out a Connect card, put it in the bucket. We're going to draw after the third service. And uh, we'll contact you, say, hey, you got your tickets. You can go, and this, today's the last day to be there, so if anybody wanted to go to that, I know we had several people that were going already, so uh, if you want to have a couple of tickets, they are free and ready to, to roll for you, so good to see everybody, guys, and uh, uh, we I wanted to make a couple of quick announcements that, um, <clears throat> that uh, you know, I know that there was has been a lot over the last several weeks of trash talking, uh, like, like you don't even have to do a contest for this chili type of talk, you know, because I'm going to win. I mean, I had several people say that and, and, and all that good stuff. But, man, our super chili cook-off uh, rounded up and finished up. The finals were last Sunday. And, uh, again, after much, uh, much trash talking and, bo- and uh, uh, boisterousness, if you will, and, and bravado and all that kind of stuff, Josh Gooch won the chili cook-off last week, dude. And matter of fact, matter of fact, um, it was unanimous. Uh, I do want to give uh, just props to uh, Pete and Lisa Curlwin for uh, taking that, running with that whole that whole um, uh, event. Man, it was just fantastic from start to finish, and it was a wonderful time. We actually had a certified chef, David Leonard, who is uh, one of our uh, Kid City uh, Kid City uh, leaders over at the Shawnee campus. He is also a, a, a teaching instructor, and he's a sous chef for a, a big, fancy, swanky restaurant down on the plaza. And he came down and uh, and actually judged the chili, uh, talked to everybody. So his his chili was judged. Like he 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 judged that uh, the chili also Gucci's chili also won the popular vote. We even had a tofu chili, which I enjoyed actually. So good stuff back there. Going Morford's like, yeah, yeah. I think you got two votes. So man, it was good. I'm just saying. <laughs> Hey, hey, you know, it's a, one of them might have been a sympathy vote. No, I'm kidding. But it was really good. Man. I was like, dang, if I wasn't a vet, if I was a vegetarian, I might. Ju-. It was. It was. He did say it was the prettiest chili, no doubt about it. He had flowers in it and everything, so I don't know. But uh, but it was very, <laughs> very good. But it was really good. It was a fun time, guys. And uh, man, I just love our church. I love how much t- we enjoy being together, and we enjoy uh, having having time together and that kind of thing. And you know, it's not this. This formal uh, uh, opportunities to have fellowship. It's just, man, I like hanging out with these guys, man, and talking shop and eating chili and doing all kinds of different things. Amen? 
Fun time to be together. Fun time to be together. So uh, just uh, as, as Ed said, too, man, that Happy Couples Conference is going to be the bomb. And if you are a, a couple that is happy or wants to be happy, uh, join us. Then we have uh, just a few slots left. Uh, if money is an issue, please do not let that be a hindrance at all because we want to make sure we, we, uh, we have that. Now, also, well, we have something very special coming up at the end of this month called uh, Resurrection Sunday. And we're going to have Good Friday services and that kind of thing. We'll have some more details forthcoming. But the Scouts are going to be doing something as a fundraiser. It's called an escape room. They're going to be using that weekend our, uh, our uh, space downstairs and having that as an escape room. Um, and so it's going to be kind of patterned after the Passover and the the uh, the resurrection and all that kind of stuff. This really is a is a an Easter theme, if you will. So I'm looking forward to all that. But if you're interested in that, put that on your connect card. Say I'd like to go to the escape room. It'd be, if nothing else, donate to the uh, to the Boy Scouts and the and the venturing crew that we're the host organization for. They do a lot of great stuff, not only for our church but for the community. And I just want to be able to to help, you know send that out and uh, promote that as well. So also wanted to. Um, promote something that's coming up over the next three weeks is our new series called The Bucket List. And let me just uh, talk a little bit about what The Bucket List is. Uh, You know, so many of us are approaching Scripture. And by the way, if you're a Bible study, deep thinking, like that's your disposition, you like getting it, you're going to enjoy this series. It is about what it means and how we approach Scripture and how we learn what God actually says in His Word. And so it's a really neat, uh, neat way to kind of go into it, but also like what not just what not not just what he says, but what we're supposed to do about it and our approach to Scripture. Because ultimately, we're going to go through Ephesians four over the next three weeks. So if you want to start looking at that and, and studying about that, that'd be uh, be awesome. And like looking through it, here's the thing about Ephesians four is that the the Scriptures talk about what it means to be. These things should unify us. And over the last 2,000 years, those are things that have tended to divide us. Churches have split. People have gotten mad at each other over the things that Paul wrote to the Ephesian church and said, these ought to unify you. So here's what I'm going to ask us to do before we do that, is to be prepared by, by reading it and praying up. But also, if you don't mind, put yourselves and your history and your teaching and your upbringing and how you were uh, taught and what you have as an opinion about what the scriptures say, and put them on the back burner and come fresh with an open mind to saying, okay, what does God actually have to say in his word? And so one of the, the reason I say that is because a lot of times I'll talk about different things in Ephesians 4, and almost every time I talk about things like baptism or like faith or any of those things, um, gifts or, or any of those things like that, like it tends to uh, divide people, and people come up to me and say, oh, no, you taught that all wrong, and that kind of thing. And I go, well, can we go look it back at the scriptures? And they'll say, oh, no, 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 that's not, I'm not, no, it doesn't say that in the word. It, this is what I was taught, or this is what I believe, or this is my opinion. So the, the three buckets are the small bucket is the, the truth bucket. What does God actually say in his word? The second bucket is what we call the doctrine bucket or the tradition bucket, where like those are things that have taken what the word says and how do we actually teach it and what do we believe as a as a as a church or a denomination or those kinds of things. And the third bucket is the bucket and it's the biggest because everybody has one and it's called the opinion bucket. And so those are things. So we have what God actually says. Those things that are taught in the second bucket, which may or may not be correct, and then the opinion bucket, which almost always is 
thinking, right? <laughs> so you know, the, you know the expression about opinion, everybody got one, um, that kind of thing. So that's one of the reasons why it's the biggest bucket, because everybody has one. But very few people really understand how to approach Scripture, how do we read it, how do we learn about it, and what does God actually say, so that we can not just gain knowledge, which we'll talk about today, but actually learn how to be obedient to, to the Lord. Amen? Fun stuff. How are we doing this morning? Are we good? We good? Anybody need, uh, like if anybody needs anything, coffee, we got plenty out there. Actually, uh, we had coffee overflowing in the coffee area a few minutes ago. It was awesome, man. It was fantastic. So uh, the mess has been cleaned up, though, but we are good. So we got plenty of it. So, you know, we're going through this series, and we'll finish up this series. And I am going to miss that couple. I think they're, they're hysterical because it reflects a lot of uh, who we are a lot of times and, and how we are. But, you know, we're finishing up this series called uh, What Happy Couples Know. Has this series in general been helpful to, to, to you if you've been here for the whole time or a couple of times? See, here's the thing, man. It's like the, how God loves us, how the Lord loves us is how we're supposed to love others, especially our spouse, right? There, we, and we'll talk a little bit through uh, some of that. But one of the things that we have learned, several of the things that we have learned as uh, going through this series is that, and you can fill this out in your, in your bulletins, there's a lot to fill out today, which is cool. Uh, a lot of engagement, if you will. But happy couples decide they owe each other everything, but are owed nothing in return. And that's counter to what the world says, because most of the time when we're trying to find a spouse or trying to get into a, any kind of relationship or a friendship, oh, I want to find somebody that's good for me. And, uh, and that flips it on its head where, where God says to love him with everything, love your neighbor as yourself. Philippians even says to consider others as better than yourself. So the scripture says that things like that is, that is counter to our natural self. Naturally, we want somebody to benefit me. And if we don't find somebody that's going to benefit me, I'm out. Or I'm going to try to convince that person that they're, they need to make sure they satisfy my hopes and my dreams and my desires. And so what we've learned is that so many times in our relationships, in our marriages, in our uh, just in how we deal with other people, we say, these are my hopes and my dreams and my desires, baby. It's your turn to take these and make these come true in my life. And it ultimately becomes a shackle and uh, a constriction on the other person versus something that they can take and try to please you with. It actually becomes expectations. Baby, this is what I expect, right? And a lot of times we'll even do that with God, which is what we talked about last week. Is God, these are my hopes and my dreams and my desires, and these are my expectations of life and all that stuff. And it becomes ultimately uh, setting ourselves up for disappointment. If we love God with everything we have, we're going to try to please him before we try to please ourselves. If we love our neighbor as ourselves and consider others as better than ourselves, we're going to want to learn to what it means to love others ahead of ourselves. It sounds so counterintuitive and counternatural. But that's kind of the point of the Bible. We don't obey our natural desires. We obey the supernatural desires that God has for us. Amen? Happy couples have what we call a submission competition. A submission competition that comes out of Ephesians 5. We're in heavy in Ephesians in, these, in this, uh, this series and the next series when it talks about submitting to one another in love. Like, how can I submit to Judy and how can I do that more than she submits to me, right? Like, all that kind of stuff. How does that all, all work? Uh, happy couples know that sometimes, we learned this last week, and I got a lot of like feedback and like people I had big burly dudes coming up to me with tears in my eyes I mean are you gonna hit me are you okay you know I wasn't sure what was going on but man it was it was like it's like I never saw that before and then when we talked about sometimes you have to throw things and not at your spouse 
and not in your home, but I'm talking about throw things at God. What he says is to cast your cares on the Lord. Oh, and it's what Peter talked about, and it talked about in the Old Testament. In Psalms, David was crying out to God. It wasn't this polite prayer. And so too many of us are struggling, and our hopes and dreams and desires are just falling apart, and all those kinds of things. And life is tough, and we got sickness. Even our kitty cats are sick, right, man, until they get good surgeries. I mean, all that kind of stuff. Like, it is, like, like, like God, like, and, and so many times we are so afraid to approach God with the honesty that he says to do. Like we approach God and we're frustrated, we're angry, and we go, God, oh God, everything's just fine. And we're lying to God. But we've got to quit lying to God and quit having these polite prayers, man. Throw things, be frustrated. He already knows. Amen? And here's the thing. He's never going to be surprised when you tell him you're angry. He's like, whoa, hey, Casey, I didn't see that coming, bro. Out of left field, right? No, he already knows this. It's not like we can hide it from him anyway. So sometimes we do have to to throw things and if you want to look back at the message from last week it'll be on facebook live from last week too and i got a lot of people that like said yeah man that that was that was definitely different um giving you guys some homework too we've talked about reading matthew 22 34 through, through 40 which is like 35 seconds of reading and i know you got lives and stuff but but it was it was one of those things where it says how does god love us how are we supposed to love him and as a result how do we love other people we also asked you to figure out what's in your box now Here's, I got a confession to make. Judy was, and I went for a, a walk yesterday, and you know, we try to exercise on a regular basis, and she, uh, she uh, confronted me, says, have you done your box yet? I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> I haven't yet, so I've got to do that still, right? So I'm like, oh, shoot, dang, you know? It's like, I mean, I didn't say for me to do it. I asked you guys to do that. So I said, oh, yeah, I guess I'm in that too. So, yeah, I'm going to catch, catch back up on that today. And so what I asked you guys to do was to find out what's in your box and ask yourself an honest question. Have I given my box of hopes and dreams and desires, essentially turning them into expectations of how you're going to fulfill me, and handed that box to somebody else i pray you've done that a couple weeks ago i asked you to increase your daily reading by another minute and a half and read ephesians 5 every day i'm going to ask you guys to read ephesians 4 starting for next week but you know and, and ask yourself and have an honest conversation that if i have given that to someone if it's your spouse if it's your children if it's your neighbor if it's your boss if it's your co-worker like how can like and ask them have i done this to you and do you do you feel like i've basically shackled you with this stuff now that can be very scary conversation but these are the steps we've got to be able to take in order to love god love god and love other people the way god calls us to do amen and so i love that see here's the thing and here's why this is so difficult for so many of us because none of us are ever taught any of this stuff from kindergarten to college, we're taught how to be a productive member of society and what it means to have a skill and what it means to, to, to do things in order to provide and make money and be self-sufficient, uh, good-standing citizens of the community. And, and ultimately, that results in an unemployment rate of 4.1%. 96% of the eligible workforce is working right now, and the divorce rate is 50%. No wonder, right? We don't get taught about what it means as growing up. We don't get taught in schools. We don't, like many times, not in our families and not in our, like it doesn't really get taught what it means to be a spouse and what it means to actually love somebody sacrificially and love somebody uh, 
you know, unconditionally with God's kind of love and loving God with everything and in loving somebody else and considering somebody else is better than us. We're not taught that. We're taught to look out for number one, man. Be your own uh, boss, if you will, man. It's a dog-eat-dog world, so you got to eat first. But all that kind of stuff is taught in our society, but it's not taught in the scriptures. And so here's my challenge to us as a church. My brothers and sisters, we've got to do this in the church. Because if it doesn't happen here, it's never going to happen. Like if we're not taught what it means to be married and what that actually looks like and what it actually looks like to love somebody the way God loves, it will never happen in school. It will never happen in college. The only time it will happen is here. And if we don't do it, nobody will. Amen? So that's why we're going through this kind of thing. And I love this. So what we're going to learn today is that happy couples know they have a choice, and it's called the happy choice. And we're going to talk about a little bit about what that actually means. And Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, and he was writing to a church in Corinth that, that had struggled with a whole lot of things. If you don't know the hit, history of the Corinthian church, um, in 1 Corinthians uh, 13 is one of those chapters that is uh, like, like given out and, and read out a lot at weddings. A lot of people think... 1 Corinthians 13 is a really uh, neat wedding song. What Paul is saying here in 1 Corinthians 13, when he's talking about love, he's actually rebutting a lot of the different things that they were doing. There was all kinds of jacked up things in 1 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians in some of the political world, uh, if you want to go there. But in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, uh, somebody like, eh, uh, huge. Um, but, you know, so we're, war- sorry. I don't want emails. I'm just, it's just a joke, y'all. So, <laughs> But it, you know, the thing is about this, uh, this whole 1 Corinthians passage, he's writing to a church that was allowing pagan rituals to come into the church. And he's allowing somebody who was sleeping with his own mother or stepmother. What is, and, and it's like this, everybody just say, ew, right? That's just like one of those deals that you just like, that, how could they have allowed that to happen? But that was something that was going on in the church. And Paul is writing what true love actually looks like. So listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians 13 or 1 Corinthians 13. Verse 1, if I speak in human or, or angelic languages, but do not have, what? Love. I am a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am special. No, nothing, right? Now you think about that. Who's he describing here? He's describing the religious people of the day that everybody looked at going, wow, you got gifts of prophecy and language and faith, right? And all this kind of stuff. You look so godly. But if you have no, if you have no love, you got nothing. See, I think that's one of the things, like, like Jesus was kind of telling on the Sermon on the Mount a little bit about that when he was saying, there are going to be a lot of people surprised on the, the day that I return, or on that day. They're going to be like, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all this religious stuff in your day? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do all these things? Didn't we have perfect attendance at, at church? Didn't, we do, didn't I read my Bible every day? Right? These are the things that Jesus is saying. Like he's given this precursor because if we have no love, we have nothing. Right? Because God is love, and if God is in us, then we are going to be full of love, the fruit of the Spirit. The first one is love, then joy, then peace, then patience. There's a reason for that kind of thing. See, knowledge without love is, say it loud and proud, 
Nothing. Exactly right. Like, here's the thing. Knowledge without love is nothing. And I, I know I get hammered a lot uh, by people that say, oh, well, you don't really like Bible studies. And why don't you have... A, listen, I, I understand the... the I, I do love Bible studies. I enjoy Bible studies. I study the Bible daily, right? Like, I love learning that stuff. But the issue is that so many people want to increase their knowledge that they really are not, <clears throat> not, not applying it as far as how they can truly be obedient. And that's the heart of what a disciple does. They take that knowledge and they say, how can I apply it to my life and actually be obedient? Not just what does God say, but what does he want me to do? Huge difference, right? And if I donate all my goods to feed the poor, oh man, I'm so generous and so loving toward those in need. And if I give my body in order to boast, oh, I'm so sacrificial of myself. But do not have love, I gain squat, right? Nothing. Love is patient. And here's where the, so many people like, we realize what he's saying here, man. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It is not boastful. And it is not conceited. Church at Corinth. But this can go a lot of times to the church of the U.S., right? Where we're trying to get our own and trying to establish our own and trying to gain in our knowledge. Now, I am not opposed to people coming and wanting to have their gifts and their talents and their abilities used in the church. My problem is and my concern is that so many people say, I want my hopes and my desires and my dreams and my gifts and my talents to be used in the church, not for God's glory, but for their own. Like I, I always kind of question when somebody says, I want to find a place where I can be used and I, my talents can be used. And I many times will question that person like, what if you wanted to just serve? You know, Because this is the, what, what Jesus is coming back for is the bride of Christ. We're part of that, amen? And so like my thinking is, how do we serve her? How do we love her? How do we help her in whatever way? Like, like I may be great at this, that, and the other, but if you want me to shine shoes and clean toilets, I'm cool with that too. However, whatever she needs. Amen. Like that's the approach that we've got to be, be able to, to take when it comes to the to the church. Love is also not boastful, it's not conceited. See, love lets others take the credit. Because ultimately it doesn't matter who gets the credit, does it? I'm gonna ask you guys a question. How many of us are going to make this out of our physical bodies alive? How much how many of us are gonna make it out of this world? alive what's the percentage somebody somebody yeah i mean you can tell me man <laughs> not a rhetorical zero zero percent right hundred years every one of us are going to be warm food as far as the bodies go right i mean that's a praise god man i'm ready man let's go but but ultimately we've got to understand like it doesn't matter if i get the credit for something or somebody else gets the credit for something like if something, as long as things happen for God, man, I'm awesome, man. I'm like, hey, that's exactly right. It's fantastic. In the workforce, a lot of times, we'll struggle to try to get recognized. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with being recognized, but I'm saying let God recognize you. Let him lift you up according to the, to the word is what it says. It says that in due time, because if something good happens to somebody else, nothing bad happens to me, why am I upset, right? Amen. Like that's a hard one, right? But when we start looking at how... God wants us to love other people as better than ourselves, then we got to mean it in every aspect of our lives, including our marriages, including our work relationships, including our love, right, in, in relationships in general. It's so critical and so important. 
to let others take the credit when credit is due or even if it's not due. Don't fight for it because ultimately we're going to face God face to face and we'll get our credit at that time, at the appropriate time. Does that make sense? Like, let's just not even worry about that stuff. Let's like, because what I want to hear from God, well done, my good and faithful servant, not, hey, how come you fought for recognition? And that? You know, I just don't want any of that. I want God to lift me up at his appropriate time. It does not act, verse 5, improperly. It is not selfish. It is not provoked. We lose our tempers. <sighs> yeah, but, yeah, but that person won't get out of my way in traffic, right? It does not keep a record of wrongs. Ah, dang. Really? Like when you start, really? Like I can't even, what? Yeah, but that's a, ah. Oh. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. The small buckets we're going to introduce next week. It bears all things, believes all things. Circle believes all things, because that's going to be a for a lot of people man hopes all things endures all things see here's the thing about love that that we need to understand is that love defaults to trust like that doesn't make any sense our natural inclination is to uh not trust at all like that's like i'm not gonna trust because i don't want to get hurt i'm not gonna trust because of this i'm not gonna trust because of things that have happened to me in the past see there's this hopes and dreams and desires that God has given us, that he has made us with, and we have these, right? And when those things don't happen the way we want to, the reality kicks in and we says, okay, I'm, I'm not really happy with those things. God, you've given those to me. How come I don't have that yet? And so there are several things we can do. We can fill this gap between expectations and reality. We can fill this gap with two ways. Number one, we can assume the worst. That's one way to do it. And frankly, that's what comes natural. But here's the, here's the deal, man. Our, like our natural selves, we're supposed to like submit to God's supernatural desires for us. It's crazy. But that's kind of a big point of the scriptures. Second thing we could do is we can believe the best. And that's the hardest thing to do. When we are disappointed and we're disappointed sometimes with our spouse or we're disappointed because they didn't, like like something didn't happen whether they didn't show up when they were supposed to or they always run late or whatever that is and and so we can say oh there they go again or i just can't stand it i know they've got an ulterior motive or it can even spin into i wonder if they're seeing somebody else right or we could say you know what i love my spouse i love me some judy man and she doesn't ever treat me like that, oh, that's, which, is, which is awesome. See, happy couples choose to believe the best. And it is a choice. And it is something that we can step into. And it's not just something where we go, well, I'm just going to try to blindly believe the best. No, because love keeps no records of wrong. No, love bears all things. Love believes all things. Like that does where it doesn't come natural. And that's where we start freaking out a little bit. It's pretty wild. See, there's a, one, there's a book out, it's kind of a leadership book, and it's called The One Thing You Need to Know about Marcus Buckingham. Man, in this book, I actually haven't read it yet. I heard, I heard somebody reference a, uh, actually I heard uh, Andy Stanley reference this book and reference uh, the particular study in here, so I can't wait to pick that one up and start learning what it means to, to, to help lead and things like that. By the way, we do that as a staff team. A lot of us are going through different leadership uh, studies by 
by uh, different uh, you know, Christian authors and things. But there's a study in there, and it was about a 20-year study, and they studied like hundreds of different couples that were seeming to be happy, and they, they had long-standing marriages, and they had these, uh, these marriages that just seemed to, ex- they were just exemplary. They, they just were the kind of marriages that everybody wanted to, to have. And what they approached the study of this scripture, thinking that they're going to analyze how these folks treat each other, and how these folks actually help one another. And what they assumed when they went in was that there were, that basically over time that hopes and dreams and desires and expectations were just sort of lowered. Like they lowered the bar of, of the, how the other spouse was. So basically they, okay, here's my expectation. Here's my hopes and dreams and desires. But you haven't met them for so long that I'm just going to lower them down so that I don't get disappointed anymore. And that's what they thought was happening. What actually happened is when they kind of analyze these folks that the happy couples that that were the happy couples they rated they rated their spouse higher than the spouse rated themselves when it comes to things like love when it comes to things like treating the other person when it comes to things like intimacy when it comes to things like like loving the other like it's like it was wild like like that person like i like if, if a happy couple would say my wife is like she's way up here, and the wife would go, I don't think I'm doing well enough. You know, it was kind of what, that was one of those things. See, what happened was this illusion, and I'm not trying to be funny about this, but this illusion that my spouse is up here, that that created a conviction. And what it meant was my spouse is up here. This is what I choose to believe about her. So I've got to help her get like, and it created this spiral of love going up. Like it was, it's an awesome thing. So they didn't lower their expectations. They didn't lower the bar. Actually, the bar kept getting raised with each other. And if we do that, is anybody going to call us hypocrites? Is anybody going to call us, you know, like, oh, you speak one thing at church, but you do another thing at, at home? Absolutely not. This conviction that we have about, man, I've got to, like, like, step up my game led to great security in the marriage because I'm trying to treat Judy this way. She's trying to treat me this way. And all of a sudden, we're just like, this love spiral is just going up and up. The security fostered intimacy. Notice we ain't talked about sex and stuff in the, in the, in the services here. Because intimacy is more than, more than just sex, of course. But, but ultimately, like this type of stuff, man, that's not a problem. You know, we've got this Happy Couples Conference coming up. We've gone through a series uh, with Mike Grubbs back in November, some of us. And one of the things he said was, like, I'll never talk about sex. Because if you deal with this stuff, that ain't going to be an issue. Wow. Right? Check that out. Intimacy fostered love when those folks were trying to do everything they could and man they wanted to be together they enjoyed being like it was a cool thing to be a part of and that they looked at and they said man it is increasing and increasing and increasing and increasing rather than i'm just not going to be disappointed i'm just not going to expect or i'm just going to squash all the hopes and dreams and desires that's an, imp- that's an impressive study, and it's an impressive study because when they looked at those things like as far as leadership and organizations, man, if people treated them, treated people like they treated their spouses and they wanted to help one another and not take all the credit and let others win and that kind of thing, and it was a team effort, man, like organizations tend to do that. The church is no different, but guys, it starts at home, doesn't it? Amen? Wow. At the end of the study... The recommendation out of this book was this. Find the most generous explanation for the other person's behavior and decide to believe it. Whew. It is 
a decision. What you place in the gap between the hopes and dreams and desires and reality is the choice you can make. You can, cho- you can choose to assume the worst or believe the best about your spouse. Suspicion, my brothers and sisters, is a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're looking at them, especially you're going to believe it. And all of a sudden, you're not going to even, I'm not even going to try to help her out because, man, I know what she's doing. She's messing around, whatever. She don't even care about me. And all of a sudden, man, you got this downward spiral versus an upward spiral. And like, man, I know she might be late, but gosh, she's probably making, it, probably making herself look more beautiful than I've ever seen her. Right? I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's a total different thing. The alternative to loving and the alternative to love that Paul wrote about is that we delight in finding mistakes. I got him. I got him now, right? I knew he was up to something. Or we thrive on speculation or we assume the worst or we embrace doubt. But look at verse 8. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, all oh, those, are, those are great spiritual things. They will come to an end. As for languages, all oh, those are great spiritual things. They will cease. As for knowledge, oh, that's a great spiritual thing to do. It will come to an end. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, that is Jesus the Christ, the partial will come to an end. What I understand partially, I will fully understand. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, when I grew up, I put aside childish things, for now we see indistinctly as in a mirror. By the way, the Corinthians were well known for the day in making mirrors in that city. But then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. Now these three remain, and this is a powerful way to end this chapter. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love and I read that scripture and I remembered a, something that came to me years back and I want to share it with you today and so many times when I say this people I, I, you know they go dude that's not even right to say but there are some similarities in common between heaven and hell heaven and hell have a couple of things in common in heaven and in hell, there is no faith. There's no faith because there's nothing that, faith is something that you're in, you just believe is going to happen. There is no faith in hell. And there's no faith in heaven because there's none needed. You're in the presence of the everlasting light. You're in the presence of love. You don't need faith when you're seeing Jesus face to face. In, in heaven and in hell, there is no hope. Because there's no hope in hell for obvious reasons and there is no hope needed in heaven because your hope is something that's unseen. Hope is something that we're anticipating coming. It's already with us. It's already in the presence. Amen? The difference between heaven and hell is love because God is love. Take, get out of our mind that God is loving. God is love. He is the definition of it. He is the epitome of it. When we go to heaven, we're in his presence. We are him, he and us. And there is no hope and there is no faith needed. There is just love. And it never, ever ends. Jesus said in Matthew seven ten, 
when he taught his disciples how to pray, he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we do love in our relationships and our marriages this way, we can choose to bring kingdom in our marriages because we sit there and pray for it. And then we actually step into what that means in our marriages and love our spouse the way God loved us, sacrificially, ultimately, submitting to one another in love. It's beautiful. And it's done God's way, man. Wow. Amen? Guys, as we wrap up this series, here's what I want us to do. If you ain't done your boxes, case your car to get your boxes done, right? Talk to your spouses about this stuff. Even if you have a loving and fun relationship, that kind of thing, never assume that you can't improve and you can't grow closer and you can't love more. So I'm going to ask the ushers to go ahead and come on forward. Preacher got a little long today, so... Uh, I'm going to pray for the offering, but I'm going to pray for us as uh, mar- in our marriages and our relationships and our uh, and how we love as well. So, Father, we just love you. And we ultimately are, man, we submit to you in love. You are love. You are the one who showed us what it means to actually not be loving, but to be loved. And you said greater love has no love than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. And that's exactly what you have done. Why you did it can be debated all day long, but it is not that you are loving, it is that you are love. And you love us so much that you came and, oh Lord, you gave it all. And so as we give a little bit back here today, Father, may you bless this offering, may you take this offering, may you multiply it, may you guide us in how to spend it, because we want to pursue other people and show other people what it means to actually have love. It's in your son's precious and holy name we pray. Everybody in the house said.